Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today we have a live and in-person guest, Nate Kading. Nate is a native of Iowa City, Iowa. He went to Iowa City West High School where he was a multiple sport, multiple time state champion. In 2000, Nate was awarded the Iowa High School Athlete of the Year and went on to play football at the University of Iowa. At the University of Iowa, he was a team captain and All-American, and his senior year was awarded the Lou Groza Award that goes to the nation's best place kicker. Nate was drafted by the San Diego Chargers and had a longtime career in the NFL as a two-time Pro Bowler and at the time retired from the NFL as the second most efficient kicker in NFL history. Nate and his wife, Sam, moved their children back to the Iowa City area in 2013, where Nate has become a successful entrepreneur, an investor, a community leader, and a good friend to many. Today, it's an honor to share a conversation with my good friend, Nate Kading. Nate, a lot of people know you as a football player. Um, I know you as a community leader and a friend. And we're grateful, man, that you took the time uh, to hang out with us today, share some of your story, your truth, and give back. So thanks for being with us. Great to be in person. Obviously, we're here in Iowa, and spring has sprung, so the sun's shining out there finally. The snow's melting, so it's uh, it's good to get back out and, and be here in person. Absolutely. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell our audience this because uh, there's some people that don't know your story. A lot of people that do. Um, I'm gonna speak real quick to your character, and we'll get real as we kick off conversation. Um, I had you speak at a business league meeting back in 2015. I think you remember this. Yeah. Um, you were the, the final keynote speaker, and I just assumed at the time you were going to speak about your football playing days, tell some stories, talk about the locker room. Um, and I think that's kind of what the audience was prepared to hear, and you said nothing <laughs> about football. And I walked away thinking two things. I wish I would have heard about football, but I also walked away thinking, man, it's pretty cool that your identity wasn't in being a football player. So I've just always admired that about you and the way that you operate. Like your identity is in being a friend, a family man, a community leader. And I appreciate the way that you've given back to the Iowa City area. My question for you is in light of your success and your life's journey, how have you managed to stay grounded? And what does humility mean to you? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I think, first of all, as, as a kicker, you learn to be humble pretty quick, right? You're the guy they're throwing in the trash can in the locker room or tying up to the goalposts or something the first week of training camp. You're good at uh, getting picked on if you're a kicker, for sure, especially you know coming up through college in the Big Ten and nine years in the NFL. So that's a good way to get some humility uh, injected into your veins, no doubt about it. But um, no, I mean, I, in all seriousness, I think you know the, as I've made the transition out of sports, professional sports, into the you know the next chapter of life for me professionally, uh, I get asked a lot. You know, what do you bring with you? What do you take from sports? I mean, as a kicker, getting paid to kick the ball between two uprights, you're kind of a one-trick pony and if you're sitting in a job interview or talking to someone, there's not a whole lot you can take tangibly, you know, from that previous profession that all you did was one thing to now doing a variety of other things. But there certainly is a lot of intangible things. There's no doubt about that. And um, the importance of, you know, I, I think of humility, I think of it hand in hand with perspective. I think of it hand in hand with an understanding of fragility and how fragile things are. You know, you go out, there's two seconds left in the game and you kick a ball and the ball moves one yard to the left or one yard to the right. You, you know, you're talking the fate of your team and the, you know, the, the fate of your own professional trajectory. And you understand how fragile that is. It's a gust of wind or it's a one, you know, w wrong degree of how you planted your foot or had your ankle pronated in a certain way. So 
I think having gone through that, you know, on a national, you know, the highest level, the highs, the lows, all of that, you really understand how, how fragile that is, you know, how thin the ice is from being, you know, the hero to being the goat, you know, the, the goat, the wrong goat, not the goat we all use today. Um, and that, you know, that, that provides some humility. And I think that's one of the greatest things that I've taken with me outside of sports is just an appreciation for, you know, the good times and success and being able to celebrate that, but also understanding that, hey, that nothing's given to you, that this can't, it's not always going to go on like that forever. But then also, if, you know, if the ball does go the wrong, on the wrong side of the uprights and, and how awful that could seem at that time, you know, you're going to wake up the next morning and the sun's going to rise and you're going to get up and get going. So, I mean, there's a lot of that that kind of comes with you and it's, uh, um, you know, humility is certainly is a blessing that you try to that you try to take as you as you move forward. And uh, you know, that is just to be humble doesn't mean you can't be confident. I think you can be humble and confident at the same time. I think it's more of a confidence that's kind of uh, that's souped up and amped up from experience, having seen both sides of the spectrum. It's good. It's good. I you know when I think about humility, I think about surrounding yourself with people who know you for you, right? People by who you are, not what you do. And I think you've managed to surround yourself as long as I've known you with people who just by you, right? They're not into what you've done. They're into who you are. And uh, I've watched you stay close to people that you grew up with. And I think that's really cool. You know, just knowing where you've, where you've come from, right? And not losing sight of that. So I, I, w- I want to stay there for a minute. When you think about environment, the people, places, and things that habitually show up in your life, and you think about the, the guys and gals that you run with, the people you're learning from, I'd love for you to speak about how environment has changed your growth and uh, has, has kept you grounded over time. Yeah, for me, you know, I was an Iowa boy, like you said, you know, born and raised here in the Iowa City area and then was lucky enough to get drafted by the San Diego Chargers. I mean, when you go into the NFL draft, you can end up in one of 32 places. San Diego isn't by any stretch of the imagination the worst. It's a pretty, pretty cool spot, you know, but I was ready to go to a different place, when, you know, when I was 21, having not lived anywhere else and really loved my nine years out in San Diego. But my wife, who's an Iowa gal herself, we were ready to come back, you know, to, to Iowa. We learned to appreciate the things that maybe we had taken for granted before, that sense of community, you know, the interconnectedness between you and, you know, the, like you said, the people you grew up with, but also, you know, the, you know, business to business, being able to connect with folks and build things and collaborate and do those sort of things, which is really important for me uh, post-NFL. So you learn to appreciate that, you know, that community, that environment. Um, but to your other part of your question, you know, the, the people you're around, I've always, you know, had a sort of a sense of curiosity even when I was in the NFL about learning about different things, whether it's different business models or different pursuits or, hey, why is that? Well, this guy seems to be living a pretty damn cool life. Like, what, what's he got going on that I don't know about, you know, and just kind of being attracted to want to learn about those people naturally. Um, and then just being around people that, you know, have positive energy and not only have been successful built, doing what they're doing or building their own business, but just folks that, you know, are unique and seem like they're comfortable in their own skin and um, having those folks kind of interacting um, you know, with them on a daily basis and friends. And I've been lucky enough to have that kind of network back here. And it's really been an integral part for me making that transition from professional athlete to this next chapter, you know, get involved with business and entrepreneurship and, you know, a variety of other roles. It's something that um, it's not an easy transition. Like we, like I just said, you know, you kind of go from doing one thing to, to something else. So it's something that, you know, I've been blessed to have those people around me in my life that have kind of helped, uh, helped make that transition a little smoother. So everyone around here knows you as, as the winner, right? We think about like college playing days and you were an All-American at Iowa. You were the Lou Groves Award winner, two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, in 2012, when you hung up your football career, you were the second most efficient kicker in NFL history. So you've done a lot of winning, but I know there's also been some moments that have 
shaped you through failure? So two-part question. I'd love to hear about failure in general, but then I also want to know about like, what were some of the toughest moments in your playing days, either in college or in the NFL? Yeah, that's certainly, uh, like I said, the the blessings that didn't seem like blessings at the time, you know, as you look back on them, the, you know, the gifts that adversity and failure give you long term. I mean, that certainly um, lived through those moments and, and, and currently, you know, appreciate them just in terms of the perspective and the humility that it gives you. But you know, I think one of my earliest um, memories of kind of failure, I guess, more on a on a grander stage, you know, a national stage, you know, sports related was I came in as a freshman at Iowa, you know, only 18 years old and uh, coming out of high school, I was, you know, the you know, All-American and Athlete of the Year in the state of Iowa, win, you know, winning, winning, all these sort of things. Like you said, I get out, you know, my freshman year and miss three field goals in the first Big Ten game, you know, at Kinnick Stadium and against Ohio State. And, you know, for the first time I wake up and the pull up in the paper and it's the Iowa City Press Citizen and it's, you know, my name, but it's like this guy, you know, he's one of the reasons why we lost the game, you know, and you're sitting there and then you kind of, you got to walk into the locker room with your, you know, other hundred teammates. You got to go sit in class or before you're kind of pumping your chest out. You're like, oh, I'm the, I'm the cool kid. You know, I'm the guy on campus. And you're like, whoa, this is like a different, now, now what, now where do I go? Now what do I do? Um, and certainly, you know, in the NFL, missed some big kicks that cost our team um, games or played a part and cost our team's games. And, you know, I think one of the most vivid uh, memories I have of that those experiences are, um, you know, the, the days after, the weeks after, when there's people, um, you know, I remember the, a TV network in San Diego after I missed a kick, a guy, they did a little segment on, um, and after you, you know, after games like that, you try to avoid the news like the plague, right? But you know, they did a little segment on a guy, you know, they were turning Chargers jerseys after the team didn't make it as far in the playoffs as they thought they were and were handing in, you know, a cornerback's jersey who trying to get a refund for the jersey and they had a video of it like a cornerback jersey got burnt and they wanted to return the Kading jersey you know because he missed the field goal that cost the and I remember seeing that but it struck with me for one big reason is it, I can still remember it in my mind like they, they show the video of this guy at the counter you know at the gift store trying to return this Kading jersey and at the back of it was you know the name it was Kading you know it's like here how lucky is that guy that he has the ability to just exchange to return to give it back I don't want anything to do with this name this person anymore and it kind of struck with me. It's like, that's my name. I don't, I, don't, I don't have that privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm owning that name no matter what happens. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, that's, 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 that's a chapter of my story that's been written. And I got to take ownership of that and my name. And take, you know, we all take pride in our name. There's nothing more important. I tell my kids that all the time. Like, you know, you, up top right corner of your homework assignment, you're writing, you know, Jack Cating or Tess Cating or something like that. And you, you're owning that work that you're putting in, you know, good, good or bad or A or F or whatever that looks like. So, I mean, I think that's been an important lesson for me with failure, but that also goes back to preparation, is knowing that, you know, this is, your name's going to be involved with it, so you better prepare to do your best, and you better go out and, you know, do your best to execute, but also understand that you got to have the, the perspective and the, you know, the, the toughness, if, you know, to own it in the end, too, uh, if, if it doesn't go your way. And I think that's a, a super valuable lesson. I think the big thing that I always wanted to do in the NFL, you know, going out to Monday Night Football game and you look in that mirror as you're strapping the helmet on the last time is like, hey, I just want to know, look in that mirror 20 minutes before kickoff and say, I did everything I could this week or this offseason to go out and put myself in a position to be successful. And in the end, you know, I didn't make 100% of my field goals. No one has. Um, would have liked to have all the misses back if I could. But, I, you know, I look back on my professional sports career knowing that I did everything I could to put myself in a position to be successful. And th that's what helps you sleep at night ultimately. 
Well, I think one of the things that we both share in common and that uh, makes us human is we've dealt with loss, right? You've dealt with it on a grand scale. And I, I love what you said about, you know, sometimes it was either my fault or it was at least partially my fault. What we all know when you're a kicker, man, is it's always your fault. Like at the end of a game, <laughs> if you lose and it doesn't go through the uprights, everybody blames it on and the kicker, And I will kicker, say, right? now being a fan and, and you're watching, you can become a little more removed from it and no one, should, no one knows it more intimately than I do, but it looks so easy. You know, you're up there sitting in the 60th right. row at the <laughs> stadium or you're watching on the big HD TV and these guys are so good. I mean, they're making it literally 80%, 90% of the time. It's like when they miss one, it's like a shock to the system. It's like, how in the world did that happen? But I just think back to those times, you know, pacing the sideline for – an hour without doing anything and the wind's blowing and it's cold, you know, like all these different things. And it's like, you're just taking two steps and swinging your leg. Like something's going to go wrong every now and then, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I think just having, I call it the gift of perspective, like having been there and sat in those shoes, it's empathy, it's understanding and like nothing's as easy as it seems. Right. And everybody's walking their own walk and their own journey. And again, talking about gifts that sports and playing at that high level have given me, I think I always, you know, try to pride myself on, understanding and being empathetic with folks and all that you know everybody's at that certain walk in their own life and there's nuances and challenges that we all carry with us totally so how do you okay so so you you missed you missed the field goal right and like a lot of us like you 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 have a a setback or a moment it's really difficult um, but you got to go back to practice so we'll talk about winning so how do you how do you take a, a loss that was public that hurt you know and and you really felt it as someone who's made that kick a zillion times and then you got to wait, you know, a week until you can play again. What do you do in that week? Like, how do you get back to normal? How do you get back to having a winning mindset? Like, I'm going to ask the question that everybody wants to ask, which is, uh, how do you get back to making field goals? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things probably easier said than done, for sure, especially if you're missing one at the end of the year and you got to wait eight, nine months or however long it is until you get your next, your next crack at it. But I think back to the, that really first big set of adversity for me at the University of Iowa – playing is that and I tell I mentor a lot of young kickers and you know high school college uh, and other areas and there really isn't anything you can say to someone there's like an academic thing it's just it's the matter of doing it's like and and it's going to hurt and and that's where the growth's going to come from but like you miss a kick and you got to walk back in the locker room and you know that's there's no way around it you better put your head up walk in there and you know you're going to know that you let down your teammates and your coaches and fans and grandma sitting in row 48 like and you're gonna have to live that's gonna weigh on your shoulders and be a heavy thing but you gotta you gotta learn how to you know swallow it and get up the next day and go uh put it aside I think another piece too is just back to your question about humility is the ability to kind of put that aside and there's there's tidbits there's things to learn right there's learnings and everything and that's really where tremendous growth comes from is is when you when you didn't do something right how do you learn and how do you grow one of the first things I identified at Iowa was once I kind of was humble enough to step back and see that it wasn't just hey I missed the kick like why did I miss the kick and something I wasn't great at then was sort of my pre-kick routine you know I get out there I felt like my heart was racing and I'm going at the ball really quick and all my technique kind of fell apart so it was kind of like okay I missed, this is why I missed, so now what do I need to do to kind of to help, you know, mitigate that and fix it? And, and then it came down to, like, breathing and, you know, what do you do on first down when the ball goes across the 45-yard line? And the, what do you do on second down when it's second and eight? And, you know, your routine in the net and kind of replicating that when there's 80,000 screaming fans and, like, getting that bulletproof process in place, like those sort of things. So, and then I started building that up and I started getting good at practicing that in the offseason, pressure situations and all those sort of things. So, it's taking failure, it's swallowing your pride, it's pulling tidbits, those little nuggets out of it to how can I learn and how can this make me better, and then just keep going out there. And I think you got to have a sense of kind of 
you know, not being afraid to be embarrassed. I think one of the great things, Marty Schottenheimer, who's my first great NFL coach, just passed away, amazing guy. He drafted me out in San Diego. He had this great quote. He was a big golfer, so I always liked it. And as a guy who had a bunch of criticism and adversity in his coaching career, um, you know, he had this great quote after a big game where the media was, like, really railing on us. It's like, you know, criticism, um, it's a lot like walking in the rain. Once you get wet, what's another drop? And that, that always kind of resonated with me. It's like, hey, man, I, I woke up and they blasted me on sports talk radio once. Like, I'm used to it. I'll just learn to turn the radio off and put on hard rock or something, you know, or country and, and just get going. So you kind of – and once you've kind of gone through it, you kind of feel – it kind of gives you a little bit of armor, you know. Like, you're like, all right, yeah, I, did, I went out and missed a kick. It is what it is. And I held my head high and I handled it the right way. I, I didn't blame anybody. I took ownership for my mistakes. And now I'm all the better for it. And now we're just going to rock and roll and you just kind of take it as part of a – a bit of an occupational hazard, you know? Well, I think about all those lessons from football, mindset, preparation, vision, teamwork, working with others, dealing with, you know, coaches, adversity. How, um, here's the question, how have, let's, I'm going to play that back because I don't like how I stepped into that. Play that back? Okay. <clears throat> um, so I think about your lessons from football, Nate, and you've talked about mindset, preparation, vision, working with teammates. Obviously, you've had a lot of success in business post-football that not everybody has, right? Not everybody's able to take the lessons learned from sports and apply them to business or life. What are some of the greatest lessons that you took from the football field and have applied now to your life today? Um, something I think about a lot, you know, because that's, you know, my professional football career is so different from what I've been doing the last seven years, but it's still a continuation of that, of that story, you know, so things are woven through there. I think the, as I was writing the beginning of that ne this next chapter for me, a big thing for me was this real kind of understanding of knowing what I don't know, you know, and I knew that I had limitations, right? Like I was this 33-year-old dude that had just kicked footballs for a living and spent a lot of his time focusing on that. So I knew I needed to take a step or two back before hopefully kind of taking a few steps forward. Um, you know, I went back and got my MBA. I came back. I really wanted to dive into the community and pick people's brains who I admired, whether they were CEOs of different businesses or different industries and just kind of learn and try to figure, you know, build up a new strength, a new skill set and figure out, be observant enough to figure out where I could apply those, where I could potentially bring value, you know, and I think another, found, this sounds totally cliche from sports analogies, but like the thing that I've really, you know, foundational principle for me in business and entrepreneurship has been being a part of, a t of not taking this go it alone mentality and being part of a team. Um, there's a great book I just finished reading, uh, you know, it's called not, not what, but not how, but who, or not what, but who, uh, you know, and that I think really speaks to, to me about, you know, the business and, you know, Hey, I have a business idea, but I, I know I can't do these two or three things, but who do I know that can, who do I know that we can put together to do that? So some of the, the investments that I've been involved with, whether it's restaurants or, you know, the home services industry or real estate and those sort of things, it's like, I, I have people in my network that I admire that I want to, you know, work on this, this project together and let's put the team together. We're all rowing the same boat together. And, um, you know, it's not, I, I know, of, you know, some of the, my former teammates was sort of, you know, kind of take this go it alone mentality. And sometimes for athletes, you kind of, the, there, there's the ego and there's some of those things that you got that it's hard for people to put aside. And for me, it was like, Hey, I don't, you know, I admit, man, I'm not, I don't have the right answer and I'm not the guy to do all this, but, I think I can play a part in helping this be successful and kind of being a catalyst in that way. One of the things I think you've done a good job of is not losing your appreciation for the small things, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that ties to what you were saying, right? About just perspective and, you know, uh, killing the ego and, and dealing with inner pride that 
anyone would have uh, if they had had your life's journey, right? Um, we all have ego, let alone when you're, you know, playing in the NFL and you're making game-winning field goals. Um, when I think about uh, Nate Kadeen, um, I think about a love for Iowa City. I think about a love for people. You wrote this awesome article that was featured in LinkedIn about 10 things you missed in Iowa City in the pandemic season. And, and when I read that, you know, what hit me was, man, he, here's a guy that really appreciates the small things and has never lost sight of where he comes from. So this, this question will be for the Iowa City folks that are listening, or if you're from the state of Iowa, what I want to know is, um, what, what's your favorite part about living back home? Yeah, and it, it, it is. I mean, Iowa City is a, you know, certainly has a special place, a heart for me. I think that's really been kind of the tie that's, that's bound for me is how can I, you know, how can I could be a part of creating businesses or business models or being a part of organizations that are meaningful to this community. I think that's I mean, are useful to the community in a certain way. And, you know, the, the restaurant projects that I'm involved with, I think I'm a big believer in, you know, what I call kind of Main Street culture building. You know, I think as you look at people that there's more remote work going on and people are, as, as opposed to 20, 30, 40 years ago, are moving to cities or places as they can work remotely, telecommuting, you know, becomes more frequent, not because of the job or there's a factory in a certain town, so you got to move to Detroit or, Dearborn or whatever like some people are picking to choose to come to Iowa City or Austin or Boulder or whatever because of a certain quality of life and part of the things that inspire people to move to places are you know the cool restaurants or the the old historic theaters or the coffee shops or like the combination combination of all those things into one you know like um, yeah, I'm a foodie guy and I, you know that's one of the things I love most about travel is seeing these different places and having your great you know, corner restaurant or corner bar to go with your buddies or the coffee shop to take meetings. And like, I, if you close your eyes and picture it in Iowa City or anybody that's listening, your own hometown or the place you love without a Polly Ice Pizza or a George's Tavern or John's Grocery or, you know, name those iconic places or an Englert Theater. It's like, man, that's a different, I don't know if I'd want to live, I don't know if I want to be a part of that place, you know? And um, I think the pandemic has really reminded people, I've had a conversation with a lot of folks about these things are gone and what that means in terms of places to go socialize with other human beings, to celebrate things, to, to think about things, to build things. And that's really what I love about the restaurants is we're not in the food and beverage business. We're in kind of the experience creation business. We're in the connecting business. We're in the you know, community living room business sort of thing. Like, um, and that's exciting to me. And we, we've been stripped of that the last year, right? And, uh, and I you know, wanted to kind of highlight that with folks. And I think especially our downtown, I'm a big history guy. I love, you know, the, the kind of blend of the old buildings and the new and all that energy. And um, it's, a, it's an authentic place. It's not a perfect place. There's a lot of, a lot of grit to it. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's certainly a place worth fighting for and preserving. And it's, uh, you know, an important part of, of our family's lives since we moved back here to Iowa City and something I've enjoyed being a part of. Well, so, so much of what you shared in the LinkedIn article. And if you haven't uh, looked at that LinkedIn article, go check it out. Nate, how can they find that article? Uh, just on my personal LinkedIn page. Okay. Yeah. So check it out. Nate's page, LinkedIn article. It was awesome. But so many, when I counted those experiences or I thought about what you listed, most of it had to do with people. And we've always said you're in the relationship business before you're in whatever business you're in. And that's really what you're talking about, right? It's like you're dealing with people. You're in the relationship business. It's an, it's an experience-based business, which means you deal with people all day, every day. Um, speaking of people, we're going to sign off this way. Here's what I want to know. You got all these great memories from your playing days. We got a lot of Hawkeye fans that are listening. I want to know, um, in your mind and through your eyes, what is what is your favorite all-time Hawkeye memory? Yeah, another great question. I mean, the, my 
My typical answer to that, I think, looking back on my Hawkeye career, you know, I was Coach Ferentz's first ever recruit. You know, I was, I was on his second team, but his first recruiting class he signed. And uh, trust me, that 160-pound kicker out of Iowa City West was not what he wanted to hang his first ever recruit on. But, like, we came in, the Hawkeye program was in that transition period from Hayden Fry to Kirk Ferentz, and the program had kind of slumped down a little bit from where Hayden had had it most of his career. So I think, you know, I don't want to sound too cliche, but I mean, my greatest memory is really kind of the, the whole experience of being there for four years and coming in with the program at a, you know, kind of a down place and then kind of busting our tails and doing things the right way and working with a lot of, you mentioned the people, right? Like football fans, not only Hawkeye fans will know the, you know, the Bob Sanders and the Robert Galleries and the Dallas Clarks and the Brad, these are the guys that, you know, my age came in and the program was down at this level and we were not good our first year. We were a little better our second year. And then, you know, something broke through and we were, you know, BCS champions, Big Ten champions, not BCS, but Big Ten champions, BCS bowl game against Oregon State, I mean, against uh, USC. And so they kind of the entirety of that whole, that whole thing, I think, that, and really that kind of mirrored my trajectory at Iowa also as I came in, like we had talked about as a freshman, wasn't very good and just tried to scrap and claw and figure out ways to improve each year and got better and better and, you know, ended up, on a, on a good trajectory at the end. And um, I think that was really a great, a lot of great memories sprinkled throughout there. Uh, I think of, you know, the, all the great times in Kinnick are awesome, but like going to all these cool iconic Big Ten stadiums and we won it, we won it Michigan, you know, we won it Wisconsin. We never won it Ohio State, but I scored my only touchdown there, ran for my life on a fake field goal. You want to you see something funny, a, a, scare, a scared skinny kid running for his life on national TV, pull that up on YouTube somewhere. But um, no, nah, so I mean, a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff. And I think, the cool thing about college sports compared to pro sports uh, is, you know, you, you're playing with your buddies and you're going back to the dorm room with them and you're, you know, you're playing Sega Genesis and you're going out to the bar afterwards to celebrate. In pro football, you, you know, everybody's got their own lives and families and, yeah, you're going to have a few beers with the guys afterwards. But, like, these are, your, these are your bros, you know, and you're there and you're hanging with them all the time. And it's pretty special to kind of share in those, those memories and moments, especially playing for a school that you grew up rooting for and is in your hometown. So it was a – it was, it was a lot of fun. I still have this vivid memory of you. I think it was the walk-off kick, uh, Texas Tech maybe? Yeah, yeah. Right? And 55-yarder. Mm -hmm. What year was that? Do you remember? That was our sophomore year. Sophomore year. Yeah. That was Alamo Bowl? Alamo Bowl, yeah. Alamo Bowl. Still remember it, man. And I remember you, like, running around the field. Yeah, it was you know, a little excited. Celebrating. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but it's cool. Back to, back to humility, like, you asked that question, and it wasn't the big kick that won the game. It was experiences. It was relationships, and it was people. And Man, I, I think, Nate, that's part of what makes you so special, and it's why you have the impact that you have, is because you've kept the most important things at the center of your life. So I just want to say that to you from one friend to another. I admire that about you, respect that about you, and I want to say thanks again uh, for your time today on this show. It means yeah, a lot. Thank you so much. What's next Enjoy. for Nate Katie? Where can people find you? Uh, try to be active on LinkedIn as much as I can, checking out what everybody's doing in business. And, uh, you know, they can find me certainly here in Iowa City and hopefully this fall back to enjoying some, some football in Kinnick Stadium. And uh, like, like you said, we're all looking forward to kind of coming out of the, the COVID winter here in the spring and summer and, and looking forward to, to all that brings. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. We want to give a special thanks again to Nate Katie. And also say thank you to John Choate, our producer at Storyline Multimedia. If you would like, share, or subscribe to our podcast, we want you to know that it would mean a lot as we work to move our mission forward. Thanks for listening. Make today count.